So I woke up this morning. Well, we all woke up this morning. That's true. And, um, well, actually, before I say that, today I want to talk to you about singleness and marriage. That's why I wore the blazer today. <laughs> today I want to talk to you about singleness and marriage. And I didn't realize that when I woke up this morning, well, actually, because of jet lag, I kind of woke up a little later than normal. I woke up this afternoon. I woke up at, I was like, how did I wake up at 12? It was ridiculous, but my body's still adjusting. And I woke up and I looked at my clock. I looked at my phone um, to my alarm and I saw that it said 1111. And I was like, Lord, you, you gotta be kidding. If, if you've been living in Korea, you know that 1111 is Pepero Day. If you don't know what pepero is, it's these little like chocolate candy sticks things. Those right there, the, the married couples have theirs. I'm going to go to GS after this and buy some pepero for myself. <laughs> but uh, today is, a, is pepero day and it's a holiday that was randomly created in Korea to make couples go out and spend more money on candies and whatnot. Because in Korea, they have like five different holidays for couples, you know. And then they have one holiday for singles, and it's got to be called Black Day. <laughs> Seriously. When I first got here, I was rejoicing. I was like, yeah, Black Day. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's for the lonely people that go eat jajamyeon alone. I was like, jacked up Korea. <laughs> but today I want to talk to you about singleness and marriage. And I'm not talking to you about it because today is Pepero Day. God's timing is funny. <laughs> but we're continuing our series in First Corinthians. And now we're at First Corinthians chapter 7. And so in this chapter, Paul, he lays out a lot of different principles in regards to singleness and marriage. And before I get into it, I want to say a word of prayer for us today. So bow your heads. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that this is the day that you have made. Not Pepero Day. So, Lord, we rejoice and we are glad in it. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege of meeting together. We, we thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege of meeting together at a place where your spirit is moving in power. And Father, I thank you that this house is not just a ministry, but it's a movement. And I thank you, Lord, that what you are speaking to us today about singleness and marriage is meant to equip us. It's meant to empower us. It's meant to strengthen us, God, and ready us, Lord, Father, to extend your kingdom purposes on the earth. So, Lord, I pray that every eye would see, every ear would hear, and every mind would conceive what you have to say today. And, Lord, we bind the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We declare he has no place here. We give him no authority over our mind, our heart, our will, our emotions. We give him no authority in this place. We declare you have full authority. In Jesus' name, amen. So, yeah, singleness and marriage. Pastor Christian preached a very similar sermon about singleness and marriage about four or five years ago. I think it was the first sermon I heard by Pastor Christian 
Like I saw it on the podcast and I was like, I want to listen to that one. <laughs> and then what he laid out for me in that in that sermon, it changed my life because it changed the way that I viewed relationships, not only with people in the house, but relationships, my relationship with God. Singleness in marriage has a lot to do with our relationship with God. But it's funny because I, I think I mentioned to a brother um, yesterday or a couple of days ago that I was talking about singleness and marriage. And I could tell by the look on his face that he thought it was interesting that I would talk about singleness. Oh, he's like, I, I could see it's interesting you talk about marriage. I can understand you talking about singleness, but marriage, what you know about marriage? Because, uh, you know, I didn't leave it at home. It's, it's somewhere else, the ring. Obviously, I'm not married. But there's this, because there's this prevailing view in the body of Christ that, that experience trumps understanding. That for you to speak into any particular area, you have to first experience it. You know, you have to, you, you're going to talk to me today about singleness and marriage, Pastor Marcus? I can understand you talking about singleness, but marriage, you don't know nothing about no marriage. There's this view that, you know, you have to experience something. You have to, you know, even for a married person or a married person to receive counsel from a single person. A lot of times there's this view. You have to be married first before you talk to me about my marriage. Sucker. (laughs) You know, get married first and then you can talk to me. But, you know, what the Lord's been teaching me is that that actually doesn't apply. That actually in the Bible, when you look at the Bible, this view that you have to be married to talk about marriage is it's actually unbiblical. Because you know who the foremost teacher was on marriage in the Bible? It was a single celibate man. Apostle Paul. He didn't do the Naomi initiative. He didn't do blind dates. He didn't go on any dates whatsoever. He didn't have to save up 10 grand to go to Pastor Christian and ask someone out on a date. Paul didn't do any of that. Paul was, he was single. Just completely single. Forever single. You know, he danced to that song, Single Ladies. You know? No ring on it, just... And he's the foremost teacher on on biblical relationships, the foremost teacher on marriage, the foremost teacher on singleness. But Paul didn't. He never married. You know, even even Jesus, Jesus also taught on marriage. But um, contrary to what the Da Vinci Code says, Jesus never married. Jesus was not walking around with Mary Magdalene like what's going on. He did not have her walking around on his arm like that. It wasn't like that. I don't know. A lot of people read the Da Vinci Code. I never knew that Jesus was married. It's fiction. (laughs) It's funny. Paul was a single man, yet God had entrusted him with the wisdom, the insight, and the revelation to teach on singleness and marriage. For you married couples, this should be exciting news. Because that means that I can speak into your marriages. That means that the sons and daughters in this house, they have wisdom and insight to offer to your marriages. You know, a lot of times in the church, what happens is a person gets married and the single people treat them like they have Ebola. 
you know. They treat them like they have this disease, you know. Like, I know, like last year, right, all my friends got married. Like, all my closest friends. I can, you know it, you were here, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Pastor John, he's like my closest friend, married. Diddy, he got married. Caleb, married. Pastor John Michael, married. And I was like, all right, all right, Lord. It's my time. I was reading that Joel Osteen book. It's your time, you know. <laughs> it's my time. It's now and ever. Yes, you know. And then Brian got married. I was like, what's going on? I thought it was my time. It's Brian's time, you know. I rejoiced in Brian's marriage. <laughs> but the moment, but what happened, some of you may be feeling uncomfortable. Like, I don't know if we can talk about this in church. You should probably talk about it here more than anywhere else. This is going to be the place where you're going to get the wisdom and insight and revelation to walk in these things rightly. The problem with many of us is we get most of our insight on relationships from Hollywood. We get most of our insight from the music videos we watch on TV. And we think that that's how we're supposed to live. That's how we're supposed to relate. And then you go into church and you hear someone talk about singleness and marriage and you feel uncomfortable. Hmm, that doesn't sound right. Why would you go to something that's dead to find out how to live? It doesn't make any sense. Jesus said he came to give you life and life abundant. And that's what this is about. So, yeah, back to the topic. All my friends got married. And there was this temptation to treat them like they had, like, you know, I just can't, like, even if I go near them, like, I'm just like. And that's what happens in the church. You know, people get married and it's like you have the married couples here and the single people here. Actually, I think that's kind of how you guys are seated. (laughs) Not on purpose. Unless we push them there. And then the married couples, you know, they, they, they treat the single people like, you know, I don't really have time for you guys anymore. I'm married. I'm not speaking from personal experience. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm fine. I wore my blazer today. But we begin to, we begin to think that there's this separation. You know, if I'm single, I can't speak into marriage. And if I'm married, well, then I have everything to say about singleness. And there's this, there's this point of view that there's this separation between the single people and the married people in the body of Christ. But Paul wants to completely do away with that. You know, because your experience, or you don't have to have the exact same experience as someone to speak into their experience. See, there's this view that you have to go through what I go through. You have to experience what I've experienced. You don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. In order for you to speak into this situation. But that's completely unbiblical. See, what the Lord has shown me is that I don't need to have the exact experience to speak into yours. I just need to have a greater one. I don't need to have your exact reality to speak into your reality. I just need to have a greater one. People, you know, they're in bondage and they're they're drinking themselves to death. And a lot of times in the church, we think, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to be like them. I'm going to go and I'm going to get their heart. I'm going to go and I'm experience everything that they're experiencing. Or they think if someone's grieving or if someone's mourning or someone's going through a tough time, we think, you know what? I need to get down to their level so that I can I can minister to them. 
But empathy is not ministry. A lot of times in the body of Christ, we confuse empathy with ministry. We think that if I feel what you feel and I know what you know and I see what you see, then I can minister to you. But Jesus never had that. The only time, see, Jesus, he was moved by compassion. That's what the Bible says. But compassion didn't save anybody. It was only the power of the Holy Spirit. It was only when Jesus began to move into people's lives that then we began to see it released. It was only when Jesus began to speak words of life. A lot of times we think that someone has to get down to my level or they have to have the exact same experience as me in order to speak into it. But that's completely unbiblical. I shouldn't have to get into your bondage in order to set you free. You know? I shouldn't have to get down and and go through this. A lot of times we have friends and family that are going through tough times. This is what God really taught me when I went back home. Because all my family, they were, they were mourning the loss of my grandfather. And they were experiencing, there was just so much hopelessness in the air. And all of a sudden, I thought there's this lie that came in that, you know what? I need to get as hopeless as them so that I can feel what they feel, so that I can know what they know, so that I can then begin to speak to them. But then God corrected me so quickly because the moment I got down to that level, all that happened was another person was added to the pity party. The pity party never changed to a praise one because no one was praising. Everyone was feeling self-pity. What does this have to do with anything? What does this have to do with singleness and marriage? Well, Paul was saying that his singleness does not qualify nor disqualify him to speak into marriage or singleness. His relationships with people did not qualify his ability to speak into relationships with people. It was his relationship with Christ that qualified him. So today, what qualifies me to speak into singleness and marriage is not me being single or married. Actually, it's that I'm married to Jesus. It's that I have a greater reality that I'm pulling from to speak into your reality today. Singleness and marriage. I'm going to give you three things about singleness and marriage today. And it's going to, I'm going to talk about singleness and then I'm going to sprinkle some things in about marriage as well. I'm going to give you three things that I want you to know about singleness and marriage today. And the first is found in 1 Corinthians and it's chapter 7, verses 6 to 7. You there say amen. amen. How about you guys read it all together? Verses 6 and 7 of chapter 7. 1, 2, 3. She jot. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind, one of another. The first thing you need to note today about singleness and marriage is that singleness is a gift. Marriage is a gift and they are both equal gifts. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Singleness is a gift. Marriage is a gift. Praise him. But they are both equal gifts in the sight of God. When Paul's speaking right here and he says, you know, I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that 
all were as all were as I myself am. He's talking about being single. In the context of that passage, Paul is talking about being single, not being married. He's celibate. He's not meant to marry. And there's some of you that may have that calling. Some of you may have that calling permanently. And if you're single right now, you have that calling temporarily. Pastor Christian, I remember in his sermon, he was talking about how do you know? Like, how do I know if I'm called to be single or to marry? And it's like, well, it's you see, it's not actually based upon whether or not you're married now or not. It's well, do you have the desire to get married? And is that desire not based out of fear and deception? Well, then, if you have that desire, you're probably not called to be celibate. If God placed that in you, he didn't place it in you just to create all kinds of confusion. (laughs) I I, want to be married, but I don't know. No. If that's what he put in you, then you're called ultimately to be married. But in this season, if you're single, it's a gift. See, many of us in the body of Christ, we don't view our singleness as a gift. And there's many people in the body of Christ that don't view marriage as a gift. We view them both as burdens. You know? But singleness and marriage are spiritual gifts. Actually, the word that Paul uses in this passage when he says that each has his own gift from God is the Greek word charisma. Everyone say charisma. And we see this, we see this word, it shows up later on in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 when Paul talks about spiritual gifts. It's actually the same word. So when Paul talks about prophecy, when he talks about speaking in tongues and healing and signs and wonders, he uses the word charisma. And here when he's talking about singleness and marriage, he's talking about charisma. He's talking about a gift from God. And that word gift, it means a free gift. It means that it's something that someone has given to you for free. You could not earn it. You didn't even deserve it. How many of us act like we don't deserve our singleness? That it was a gift from God. I, I don't ever see anyone acting like that. Lord, take this away from me. I'm so ready to get married right now. Mm, it got quiet. <laughs> the word gift, it means something that God has taken the initiative to give to you freely. Something to give to you as a favor. The word actually does mean favor as well. Favor, blessing, a kindness. Singleness is a kindness from God. Marriage is a kindness from God. And there are equal manifestations of his kindness. But you know what Satan's desire is? Satan's desire is to get you to devalue the gift of God. In every situation, what Satan wants you to do is he wants you to begin to treat the gift of God with contempt. Because Satan knows that if he can get you to devalue the gift that's been given unto you, you'll see it as a curse and not as a blessing. Now, all of a sudden, you're asking yourself, why am I still single? Or you're, you're looking at your marriage as if it were a burden that was placed upon you. And all of a sudden, what begins to happen is we begin to devalue the gift that God has given to us freely. 
We begin to look at it as if someone has given us something that we didn't want. But what happens is if you devalue something or if Satan convinces you that it's a a curse instead of a blessing, all of a sudden it strips the value of that thing away. All of a sudden the grace that you're supposed to receive in that season, you're no longer receiving it. How many of us are receiving the full grace of our singleness? How many of us are receiving the full grace of marriage? I mean, you, you ever received a gift before? You know, I received a, I'll tell you about this gift I received one time. I, I was in this relationship in college where I was dating. I was dating this girl for we dated for three years. It's like a long time. right? And um, so this wasn't the same person that I came to Korea for. You guys that know my story. Um, this was someone else before that relationship. And um, we dated for three years. And I remember that at the end of at the end of that um, towards the end of those three years, my girlfriend at the time, she went studied abroad. And so she was gone for a semester. And then I was I don't know what why I was always dating people who went and studied abroad. But anyways, uh, God, she went and studied abroad. And then when she came back, it was right around Christmas time. You know, Christmas, like, you know, everyone's exchanging gifts. And we've been dating for like three years. So that's like a lot of Christmases and Valentine's Days and birthdays and stuff. And so I gotten a lot of gifts and I could not figure out what to get. I told like all my friends, I don't know what to get. I don't know what to get. Like, what should I get? Should you know, and, and one of my friends, he's like, you know, you've gotten everything. There's only one thing left to get. I was like, for real? And so I was like, okay. He's like, you need to get a ring. Like, okay. Um, so I went and got a promise ring. And uh, not, a, not an engagement ring. I know everyone's all confused. I, I, I was working part-time at GNC. I was, I was making like six bucks an hour. I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't have funds for that other ring, you know, so, but the other one was like, you know, it was, it was 129 at Zales. And so I went to Zales and got a little promise ring. And I remember it was that Christmas. And I remember like, I was so excited. I was like, you know, I, I saved up, I saved up so many paychecks for this ring. I wasn't working a lot either, you know, so. I was a little broke. And, and then, you know, we got in dinner and we were about to exchange gifts. And I, I'd set it all up like I had this, like, teddy bear. And the teddy bear was holding a box. It's, it's kind of cheesy. And uh, I'd never do that ever again. And, in, and then inside of that was, like, you open up the box. And inside the box was, like, the little promise ring. Yeah, I didn't know the Lord then. I didn't know anything about boundaries and about taking things a little too quickly. Um, but, mm, mm. but yeah, I get, and so we're sitting there and I'm like, it's like, okay, it's time for the gift exchange. So I'm like, me for me first, me first. It's like, oh, a teddy bear. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> open, open the box. You know, she opens the box. She's like, oh, wow. Like, you know, she's like, oh, that's so amazing. Yeah. And then she's like, and I'm like, okay, all right. And then I'm thinking, okay, she's about to give me my gift, you know. It's about to be awesome. Let's go on, you know. And she, she, she's like, 
she pulls out this bag, right? And I'm like, all right, okay, all right, okay, let's see, this is a bag, okay. Oh, it's a paper bag, and I reach in, and I pull out a T-shirt. And it was like this big. Now, I know, guys, I'm a little skinny and all, but this was like extra small. And so I was looking at it, and I was like, oh, this is awesome, you know. And she's like, no, no, no. No, no, there's more. I was like, okay, okay. Yeah, there, there better be more. And then I, 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 I put my hand down in the bag and I pull out. She's like, there's one more. I, 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 there's more in there. I pull out and it was a pair of boxers. But the boxers were like this big. And I know I'm skinny and all, but I was like, what five-year-old are these for? You know, and they had like Power Rangers on them. Like it was like it was like that. And so I was like, okay. All right. Okay. At first I was like, are you trying to tell me something right now? Is there like a hidden message in this? But no, there wasn't. It was just a gift. And then she was like, No, there's one more gift in here. And I was like, okay. This is gonna be it right here. I was like getting warmed up, you know. I was like, oh, this is gonna be the ball right here. And then I reached in. And it was a magnet. But it was a magnet of a black person. And she, she, was, she was white. And so there was a, a white person. And she was like, see, that's us. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. Uh, and I put and I put it back, I put it put it down, and you know for the next couple of weeks I tried, I really did. Like I put I had the magnet up on my up on my my refrigerator, you know. I wore the shirt once, but like the collar went up to here because it's too small, and the sleeves went up to here. All my boys they laughed at me, and and we actually ended up we ended up breaking up like a couple a couple weeks after. <laughs> We broke up like the, like the next week. You want, to tell you, you want me to tell you why? Because gifts point to the quality of the relationship you have. And the way you view the gift that you've been given tells a lot about how you view the relationship that you're in. And see, for many of us, we look at singleness as a burden that God has placed on us. Like it's a gift that someone's given to us that we don't want. But the thing about all gifts is that gifts always, their gifts are not there for them in and of themselves. They're given to you to remind you of the relationship. The problem for me was every time I saw that magnet, I was, I was, I was thinking, man, those three years must not mean much. And a lot of us, we look at singleness and we look at marriage and we look at it as a curse and we look at it as something that God has burdened us with. Not recognizing that we are saying less about singleness and more about our relationship with God. Because a gift always points back to the relationship. How do you view your singleness? How do you view your marriage? Is it a gift? Is it a grace? Is it something that you feel that God has blessed you with? Or is it something you're like, well, I'm just waiting to get by That's not how God sees it at all. That's the first point. The second. 
what is what is the second thing? I want you to I want you to look at verses thirty. I want you to look at verses thirty verse thirty five. Paul says he says. So not only is singleness a gift and marriage is a gift and it's an equal gift. But then Paul speaks in verse 35. He says, I say this to your own benefit. Now, he's been speaking for a while about how it is. If you are married, it's good to be married. And if it's if you're single, it's good to be single. But then he speaks to them and he says in verse 35, I say this for your own benefit. Not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Specifically, I want to talk about singleness. Singleness is a grace that God means to promote and cultivate in you good order and undivided attention to God. See, the word actually means undivided attention. It actually means without distraction. It actually means that you are living a life that's without hindrance, that's without distraction, that's without things that are taking up all your time. Paul actually says that marriage is something that can distract your attention from the God. Because not only now are you concerned with pleasing the Lord, but you're also concerned with pleasing your spouse. So he says that singleness has a purpose. Singleness has a purpose and the purpose of it is to cultivate good order in your life. How many of us can look at our lives right now and say that in this season of singleness, we have good order? It's like, look at our rooms at home. It's like no order up in that piece, you know? It's like, look at our sinks, dishes everywhere. There's no order up in that piece. It's not talking about your dishes in your room. It's talking about the lifestyle in which you live before God. Undivided attention. How many of us can say that we have undivided attention towards God? See, what Satan likes to do is Satan likes to come in and he he convinces you that your singleness is a burden. It's a curse. And then the next thing he does is he begins to come in with distraction. We like to call that distraction lust. The lust of the eyes. The boasting of what a person has and does. It comes not from the father, but from the world. All of a sudden, you're convinced that your singleness or your marriage is a burden. And now, instead of your undivided attention being cultivated towards God, you're being distracted to 50 million things. You know, statistics say that our generation is the most distracted generation. And then also statistics say that our generation is the least to get married. But also the most promiscuous. We have the highest rates of divorce. In the church, our our rates of divorce in the church are the same as the world. Why? Because there's distraction. Why? Because we are not learning how to use the season of singleness to cultivate good order and undivided attention towards God. Instead, we're using it and we're putting all our attention into how we can get married or how we can get the next person or how we can get attention. When God wants to use this time to cultivate A season in you where you learn how to give attention to God. You know, that's what that's what God wants, because ultimately singleness in marriage is not about the person you marry. And it's not even about you. It's about Jesus. You know, talking to Pastor John after he after he started dating Pastor Anita and after he got married. 
And I learned a lot, you know, I learned a lot and it helped me to think, you know, maybe I need to take the season of singleness wisely because John would tell me, he was like, I would spend time with him and I was like, you know, John, how are things going? He's like, you know, marriage is great. You know, marriage is great. That's how he sounds. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, what's one challenge and what's one blessing. He's like, I won't tell you the blessing. I was like, all right, okay, fine. What's one challenge? <laughs> it does not take a rocket scientist to guess. I was like, well, what's one challenge, John? He's like, honestly, I was like, okay, honestly, he's like, I want to get up at six in the morning and pray. I was like, what? He's like, I'm not able to spend time with the Lord like I used to. I'm not able to go deep in intimacy with God as much as I used to. And I was so confused. I was looking at him and I was like, what are you talking about? No, I'm, it's, I thought, no, marriage is awesome. What do you mean? I'm not married, but as far as I think it's awesome. He's like, no, I'm not able to spend as much time with God as I, I want and I desire. I talked to Pastor John Michael and I was like, all right. JM, what's one struggle that you have? He's like, honestly, I'm not able to spend as much time with God as I'd like. And at first, my first response was like, you guys are way too holy. All right. (laughs) You guys are just a little off the deep end. But then as I began to spend time with them, what they began to share with me was that their time with the Lord gets cut in half. But the things they need to pray for and cover doubles. See, when you're a single, the only person you're praying about and the only person you're covering is you. When you get married, that's now two. And then if you have kids, it multiplies. Well, probably not even two, because then you got to cover her family and then her relatives. And, and the, you know, you got all kinds of things to cover. But you got less time. Because on those Sabbaths, on those Jesus dates, there's three people there now. You, Jesus, and your spouse. You can't, you can't be praying as hard as you like because lord i just prayed for my spouse i just prayed she's like what what, what's there to pray for (laughs) i'm right here why don't you just say it to my face (laughs) that's why god gives you a season of singleness because he wants to cultivate in you undivided attention towards him many people think that when they get married then they're going to start acting holy it doesn't work that way Many men think that I'm going to get married. Let me find a nice Christian girl. And then when I get married, then I'll become the Christian man I need to be. But that doesn't happen that way. You drag her down. She doesn't lift you up. Many sisters, they think that, you know, I can just marry this man and then he'll change. (laughs) Many brothers think I can just marry this sister and then she'll change. I know she's a newcomer, but she's fine. (laughs) When really what happens is you get dragged down, not you don't, you don't get built up. I was talking to this one pastor back and he, he pastors now in California and he was a pastor here when I was an exchange student. 
And one thing he told me, he said, Marcus, he said, God's been increasing you to a, a new level. And I was like, that's right. That's right. But he said, Marcus, right now your foundation is not secure. And I was like, okay. And he was like, here's what's going on in your relationship. Cause I was in a relationship right then. He said, Marcus, you're, it's like you're standing up on a stool. You're standing up on a stool and you're trying to reach down and pull her up. But when you're standing on a stool, your foundation is not secure. And the only thing that's going to happen is she's going to pull you down. I said, wow. Wow. I had it all wrong. See, singleness is meant to cultivate in you an undivided attention to Jesus. Marriage is meant to cultivate that in you. Undivided. It's a little bit more difficult then. But God just uses your spouse as an agent of grace. (laughs) And how many of us think we're ready for that? If you can't handle yourself now before the Lord, how are you going to do it with someone else? I remember when I first got saved and I was in that same dating relationship. And she wanted to have devotions. She wanted to have devotions together. There was all kinds of counterfeit oneness. In that relationship, we were thinking something we were not. And, but I could not wake up on time. <laughs> as much as I tried. She's like, let's just, I was like, yeah, we're going to have it in the morning, 7.30, every morning. We have devotions. It's 9 o'clock. Oh, snap. Run down. She's like, where were you? I had devotions all on my own. I was like, oh, wow. Wow, this, this doing Jesus for two things is a little hard. See, Satan comes in with distraction, with lust, with all these different things that take away our focus away from Jesus when we're single because he knows that when we get married, it'll destroy the marriage. And then he comes in with the marriage and he does the same thing because ultimately he's still trying to destroy it. Because we're meant to be generational people. We're meant to be covenant people. We're meant to be people who pass down blessing from generation to generation. My question to you is, are you using this singleness to cultivate undivided attention? That's what God wants. And the third thing. Man, that revelation that my time with the Lord gets cut in half. But the things I need to pray for doubles. Snap. That's serious. The third thing, I want you to look at verse 17. Paul says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. In this context, Paul also is talking about singleness and marriage. And what he's trying to get, and the third thing I want you to get today is that singleness Or marriage, they are both assignments from the Lord. Did you know that your season of singleness is an assignment from God? That your marriage is an assignment from God. That you're called, you're assigned. And the notion of assignment in the Bible is very different than our notion of assignment. You know, we think of assignment like in high school, you know. We get an assignment from our teacher, and so we, we can either do the assignment and fail it, or we can, not, we can not do the assignment at all. We can, I just don't want to do this homework. 
or we can just try our best and do the assignment and pass it. And, you know, and then we'll just go on to the next assignment. But with God, assignments don't work that way. Actually, with God, God keeps you in that assignment until you complete that assignment. And God orchestrates your life in such a way that he makes sure he wants to make sure that you complete that assignment for the season that you're in. You know, Paul, Paul had all kinds of assignments. You know, Paul's assignment specifically was to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. But on the way in that assignment, there were many different times where Paul could have given up on that assignment. You know, like the time when he was stoned. You know, if that were any of us, I think we may have given up, you know. We go out in the Itaewon and we're standing in front of Olive Young, you know, just preaching the gospel. And someone comes up with a rock and just, you know, like, okay, all right, God, I'm going to take a time out. I'm going to take a time out on that. But Paul, they stoned him to death. They picked him up, dragged him outside of the city, left him for dead. Paul still has this assignment. Paul's still alive. Paul gets up because God wouldn't let him die because he had that assignment. Paul gets up, shakes the stones off of him. And then runs back in and keeps preaching the gospel. Paul's on a ship. He's supposed to get to a certain country. He's supposed to get to a certain place to preach the gospel. And the ship gets shipwrecked. I can't swim that well. In that moment, I probably would be like, all right, God, I guess, I guess that's it. I guess we, you know, I'm just going to have to take an absent on that one, you know. <laughs> but no, what happens? God didn't let Paul die because God made sure that he fulfilled the assignment that was placed upon his life in the season that he was in. Paul had a place that he had to go to and preach, and God was going to make sure that he would complete that assignment. Singleness and marriage, they are assignments from God. Paul said it. He said, only let each one live. This Pope is getting in the way. Only let each one of you live the way in which you have been called, that you have been assigned from God. Many of us are crying out, God, who's my spouse? Who's the person I'm meant to be with? And God's saying, what is your assignment? Because when you finish your assignment, then you'll go into the next season. If you're married, have you been asking God, God, what is our assignment? God, I've completed this assignment. God, what is my assignment now? It's not just to be married. I remember when, when Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron got married, I remember Pastor Paul stood up there and he said, it was like two armies coming together. And I was like, snap. And I was looking at, I was like, okay, where's my army? You know? God was like, you don't have that many troops yet. You're going to need some time to complete your assignment in this season. Many of us were crying out to go into the next season, but God's looking at you saying, do you even know your assignment in this one? It's because God has put purpose on this season. God has put purpose on your marriage. See, that's the whole point of this entire sermon today is for you to know that in this season that you're in, God has placed a measurable purpose. There are people that God wants you to reach in this season. There are people that you can reach in this season that you can't reach in the next one. And I want to tell you that you got to get rid of this language that I'm in season and out of season. Because for a child of God, they're always in season. It says for the child of God in and out of season, they'll always bear fruit. That means you're always in season. It just depends on whether you're in the season of singleness or in the season of marriage. And the question is, are you bearing fruit? 
What kind of fruit is God calling you to bear in this season? What mountain is he calling you to go to an impact? What place is he calling you? What, what school is he calling you to go to to completely change? What people is he calling you to speak into their lives right now in this season? He's not calling you to wait until later. It's not you're going to get a promotion later and then do it. You got to do it now. As Pastor Benjamin said, anything that tells us we need to wait till later is demonic. Anything that tells us that the promises of God manifesting in our lives sometimes later is satanic. It is demonic in nature. It is the spirit of the Antichrist. But the spirit of God says, I have put everything in you right now to do everything I've called you to do. I'll be honest, for me, leading this this congregation, the biggest thing I said was, man, things will get easier when I get married. Let me be real. I said, man, you know, it's tough leading a congregation of 80, 90, 100 people by myself. God, what are you going to do? And he said, Marcus, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. You're not alone. And he said, Marcus, I put an assignment on your life right now in this season. What are you going to do with it? What is your assignment? It's not even about singleness or marriage. It's about your assignment. What is your assignment here in this earth? What is your assignment here in Korea right now in this hour? What is your assignment? Because when that happens, when you know that and you seek that, the rest of it will fall into place. The Bible says, seek the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. Amen? Amen. What is your assignment? I believe that in this house, God's going to birth amazing marriages. And I believe that in this house, we have amazing singles. We have amazing married couples and we have amazing singles in this house. And both are meant to work together to impact this community, this nation. We're meant to step up and to rise up and to go into the seven mountains and to bring God's kingdom and his reign everywhere we go. Amen. And there's nothing holding you back. Because you have an assignment. And it's for now. I want us to pray together. You know, as I preach this message, I want you to know that that I'm not saying that I'm not saying in any way, shape or form that because I know marriage, this topic of singleness, marriage relationships is is something that many of us, we hold dear to our heart, maybe because of things we've experienced in the past or hopes or whatever. And there's a temptation when you hear a message like this to begin to start to start to feel hopeless or start to feel like, you know what? I'm never going to get married. But I want to tell you that's a lie. And I want to tell you something. A person who understands that singleness is a gift. 
a person that is pursuing all the grace of God in the season of singleness that God has given to them. And a person that is running hard after the assignment that God has given them in this season. I want to tell you that that that's that's what's going to propel you into that next season. I think I, I was talking with Pastor John you know, before we before we pray, I, I was talking with Pastor John and and I was asking him, what was it about Pastor Anita that he he liked so much? What was it about and Pastor Christian and Pastor John Michael? What was it about, you know, Pastor Sky or Pastor Aaron? And it was that they were living their lives fully for God in the season that they were in and that they were people of vision and purpose. Pastor John said when he saw Pastor Anita leading prayer and going hard after God, he said, that's the most attractive thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, to a godly man or to a godly woman, it's not about how you look. It's not about how you look. It's not so much even about how you dress. Because let me tell you, Pastor John Michael, the Lord's done a, a work in his dress code. It's really about whether or not you're going to go hard after Jesus. That's what, if you're wanting to go into that next season, that's what it's about. Are you going to complete the assignment in the season that you're in? Are you going to complete the assignment that God has given to you in the season that he's in? And that applies for everyone. So I want us to pray right now. And I want you to begin to ask God, God. What is my assignment? God, what are you calling me to do? What is my destiny? What is my purpose for this season of life that I am in? If you're married, I want you to be asking God, God, what is the assignment that you have given us as, as a couple? What is the assignment that you've placed before us now? And I want us all to begin to ask God because the Bible says a people without revelation, without vision, they cast off restraint. But God wants us to have vision to have purpose and to go after him as hard as we can. So right now, church, I want us to all pray and begin to ask God. Ask God for vision. Ask God for your assignment right now. Let's begin to pray. Let's begin to pray. Everyone right now, begin to open up our mouths and let's begin to pray. Begin to ask him right now. You got to ask him.